We're going to look at John chapter 20, verses 11 through 18 this morning. If you have a Bible and you want to turn there, or you just turn the page in your bulletin, follow along, the text is printed there. You know, uh, Resurrection Sunday, Easter Sunday, it's uh, sort of a Sunday for returning to the basics of the Christian faith. Uh, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is absolutely basic and central and essential to, uh, essential to the Christian faith. And so um, here's a little bit more by way of introduction to some of the important aspects of the Christian faith. Uh, some of the, the, maybe it's theological language might be strange to you, unless you've been around here for a while, you put up with my theological geekery and stuff. But, uh, but these, these things are it's essential to the Christian faith. God is a trinity. There is one God, there is one God only, and this one God has made himself known as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So that's three divine persons in eternal communion, each person fully God, and each person the whole God, uh, yet not three gods, only one God. Go ahead and memorize that, because that's important (laughs) uh, for your life. Uh, We might not understand how this is possible. We have one God in three persons. Uh, not three gods, but uh, the scriptures tell us clearly that this is true. And so this triune God is the God of love, and he's created us for love's sake. He's come into the world to redeem us for love's sake, and he's done that through the second person of the Trinity. The Son of God became a human being. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. He did not cease being God when he became a human. Not in any way. He's, he, he didn't cease being God. He's fully divine, and yet now he's also fully human. And again, we might not entirely understand how that is possible to have those two natures in one person, but the scriptures clearly teach that it is true. God God became a human being, two natures, divine and human, being united forever in the one person, Jesus Christ. This is what Christianity is about. Uh, It's all about who Jesus is and what Jesus has done, what God has done as a human. That's what Christianity is about. It's what God has done the triune God, what he has done as a human being. He's lived in a way that has redeemed our lives from sin, from the way that we've broken our relationship with God, and he's been raised from the dead uh, as one of us. He's died as one of us in our place. We talked about that on Good Friday as an atoning sacrifice for the forgiveness of our sins, and he's been raised from the dead as one of us. That's the focal point of Easter Sunday, uh, that we have eternal life with God through his resurrection from the dead. We talk about this stuff all the time around here, and even though the strangeness of what we believe uh, might never wear off, might still be strange to those of us who've been here for years and years, we do grow in our loving knowledge of God as we know him as he truly is and for what he's truly done for us. So this morning we're going to talk about that last part, uh, the resurrection. He was G- Jesus, God, as a human being, was raised for our life with God. That's what we'll talk about as we read uh, John's Gospel, chapter 20. Uh, But first, let me pray. Father, at many times and in many ways, you have spoken to your people throughout history. But in these last days, you've spoken to us by your Son. Jesus is your Word, incarnate, in the flesh. We pray that you would help us to hear him truly and with faith, with life-changing faith. By the work of your Holy Spirit in us, help us now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. This is the tomb where Jesus was buried. 
And as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you've laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and that he said these things to her. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Praise be to you, O Christ. So the focus of Easter Sunday is on the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ. Not just a spiritual, ghostly, ethereal resurrection, the bodily resurrection. That's what we have here, that's what we have in the scriptures. So, resurrection. What precedes resurrection? What uh, is a prerequisite for resurrection, so to speak? Death. That's good. Yeah. Uh, In the Bible, death is... uh, It's not just when your heart stops beating, uh, when you stop breathing and the electrical activity in your brain ceases. Of course, bodily death uh, includes those things, and Jesus' bodily death included those things. But in the scriptures, in the Bible, God reveals, he teaches us, death means more. Death is more meaningful than that. It means, really, ultimately, what it means is the end of relationships, that's the, the main thing the Bible wants to draw out when it comes to talking about death. What death is, <clears throat> is the end of relationships. Death cuts us off from each other. It means pain and sorrow at the loss of loved ones who have died. It means our relationships are now relegated to the past and they're irretrievable except for fading memories. And sadly, uh, you all know this from experience, having lost loved ones to death. You can't see them, you can't hear them laugh, you can't gain their wisdom, you can't share a meal with them or hold their hand or feel the comfort of their embrace. Not anymore. Death means that's all over. The relationship between you is actually ended. And that's why Mary is weeping outside the tomb of Jesus. She is At this point, even though Jesus has already been raised from the dead, she's unable to understand anything except that her beloved rabbi and Lord is dead. And now even his dead body is mysteriously gone. That's all she's able to understand. The, The apparent fact that she will never see him again, not even be able to give him a proper funeral, uh, that's overwhelmed her. She's not yet understood what has really happened. She's not yet believed the good news of the empty tomb. She's grieving the loss of relationship with the most wonderful person that she'd ever known, the most wonderful person anybody's ever known. 
And that's what death means to her. Death can happen in uh, the body, for sure. We all experience it, and we've had uh, loved ones go before us through death. But death can also happen in relationships before that. Before bodily death, we can experience relational death when people walk away from each other. And again, sadly, uh, this experience is all too familiar to us. Some of you have had friends turn against you. Some of you have had parents disown you or siblings or even children who refuse to speak to you anymore. Some of you have been divorced by spouses, maybe the most painful relational death that we can face in this life. Most of us have in some way or another suffered deaths in our relationships. And in the Bible, God reveals that the most important relationship to die, the most important death is spiritual. It's, it's when we in our sin put an end to our relationship with God, when we walk away from him and we live apart from him. So in the earliest history of our race, as recorded in Genesis 2, God had specially crafted this beautiful garden, paradise, as a place for communion with humanity, a place to be with humanity, a place for relationship. And he warned Adam that sin, which would be rebellion against God's word, would mean death. And when our first parents committed that first sin, they broke fellowship with God. They walked away from him. They didn't die bodily right away, but their spiritual death was immediate. And you see, uh, see the proof of that as you read Genesis 3. It was immediate because they violated their relationship with God. And that, viola- that, that violation is death. It's, it means death. Spiritually. And then bodily death came along with it, the the physical decay that inevitably leads us all to bodily death, inescapably, you know, we're all facing it. That physical decay and death is a facet, it's a component of the greater spiritual death. Because we have sinned against the creator of our souls and the creator of our of, of our bodies. So so we were created to live with God as his children. We were made for eternal life with God, but we brought every kind of death upon ourselves when we severed our relationship with God through our rebellion against him. And it's this spiritual relational death that matters most in the scriptures. It's the death of our relationship with the living God in particular that is of greatest significance to us all. The Bible is, uh, is most concerned to address the terrible reality that because of our sin, We are dead to God. That's the language we find in the scriptures. We're dead in our trespasses. We're dead to God. Our sin is preferring an existence apart from God. Our sin is preferring a world without God, a life without God. It's wishing that God were out of our lives. In our sin, we are the friends who have turned against God. We're the family members who've disowned God. We're the spouses who have divorced God. This is all language from the scriptures. Sinners want to be free of God's rule want to be free of God's will, want to be free of God's very presence. Basically, our sin means we wish God were dead. So what do you think was going to happen when God came in the flesh into a world that is 100% full of sinners who wish he was dead? Jesus is, again, God incarnate, God become a human being. Still fully God, now also fully man. God became one of us. He came into a world like this 
knowing full well the reception he would find. He became like us in every way, except without sin himself, and he, he joined himself to our humanity once and for all. So Jesus is called Emmanuel, God with us. Metaphysically speaking, he is with us because he's both God and man, together two natures in one person, God with man, in Jesus himself. And then also relationally, he is with us. He's in this world. He's been in this world being with us in actual time and space. God came to be with us and to be with us as one of us. God came to be with us as one of us. In Christ, that is to say, God became our brother. He is our brother. He committed himself to us in a union that he pledged he would never break. He would never turn against us, never disown us, never divorce us. He would never leave us or forsake us, never walk away from the relationship as Sinners, we had broken our relationship with God to the degree that that defines our identity. That's who we are. We're bringers of death. We're sinners. But Jesus is the Lord of life, and he came to restore our relationship with God, and that defines his identity. That is who he is. He's the Lord of life. He says himself in John 11, I am the resurrection and the life. That's who he is. We are death. He is life. But you remember resurrection is preceded by death. Right? So the Lord of life went to the cross. The one who is the resurrection went to the cross to atone for our sins, to suffer eternal death there on our behalf, to endure separation from God, an end to the relationship that he did not deserve, that we had chosen in our sin. So the Lord of life, the one who is the resurrection died. And it was over. And this is why Mary wept outside his tomb. She knows what death means. It means an end. But with the Lord of life, that was not the end. He came to bring us life and relationship with God that even death could not end. That's inconceivable to Mary in her grief. She cannot comprehend that this now is Jesus risen from the dead that she's speaking with. Now, he's speaking to her in this garden outside this tomb. She thinks he's the gardener because it just doesn't register that it could possibly be somebody raised from the dead. It's inconceivable to sinners. We had ended the relationship. We had sought existence apart from God. We'd wanted God out of our lives. We'd wanted him dead We'd ruined everything. It is inconceivable to us that now the living one would be speaking to us, and yet here he is. He's the one who has conquered death. Through the first Adam in the first garden, death was brought into the world. Through this man, the new Adam, life was brought out of death in the garden. So in himself, Jesus carried our humanity through death, in his own life, in his own death, in his own resurrection, into a new life with God that will last forever. That's the work of the living God. That's the work of the Lord of life. And what does he say to Mary? The one who is the resurrection and the life says, go to my brothers and say to them, I'm ascending to my father and your father, to my God and your God. He calls his disciples his brothers 
For the first time in John's gospel, he calls him like this. He calls us his brothers. He calls his father our father. He calls his God our God. Where we had brought spiritual death, Jesus has restored the most important relationship. He's restored our relationship with God. And it's the risen Lord who calls us brothers. It's the risen Lord who identifies with us, who says we're part of his family. We're part of the risen Lord's family. It's not just that he was one of us before he died, when he was first incarnate and lived his 30 years and went to the cross, everything leading up to the cross. He was one of us then, yes, but it, now it's after passing through death. And now there's this gap, this distance, right? between those of us who, before we've died, and him after the resurrection. After his death, the risen Lord says he's one of us. After his death, he says he's one with us. In spite of our sin, the risen Lord Jesus is not ashamed to call us brothers, as the writer of Hebrews says. We are death, he is life, and he calls us brothers. If you are his disciple, if you trust him, if you belong to him, then you are a brother or a sister to the one who now lives forever. He will always have a, throne, a home in God's presence. He will always call God his father. And now he says the same is true of you, no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, if you're one of his. You will always have a home in God's presence. You will always call God your father because... You're a brother or a sister to the risen Lord of life. Sin and death do not define you. Holiness and righteousness and eternal life define you. Because your relationship with the Holy Lord, the risen Lord, that's what defines you. Your relationship with Jesus. Because of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, now nothing can end your relationship with God. Not even death. He's already conquered that. And he said to you by his grace, whatever is true of me will be true of you. He said it himself. Earlier in John's Gospel, in John 14, he says, because I live, you also will live. Throughout the New Testament, the apostles pick up on this over and over again as a central feature of the good news they proclaim, as an essential aspect of the Christian faith. Romans 8, Paul says, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Paul, again, in 1 Corinthians 15, says, In fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep died. For as by a man came death, by a man has also come the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. Or John in 1 John 3, says, Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. Jesus says, Because I live, you also will live. This deserves your attention. The risen Lord Jesus deserves your attention and your faith. You cannot possibly ignore the one who has established a new reality, a new rea relationship between you and God. If you are interested in that, actually, a, a 
connection with the true triune God, the creator of all things, the one who gives meaning to life. If you're interested in that relationship, you need to hear the risen Lord Jesus calling you brother or sister. Apart from Jesus, this whole world, your whole life is characterized by death. It ends there because of our sin. But in Christ, and only in Christ, there is life beyond the grave, relationship with God, after the death that we've brought upon ourselves, joy after sorrow. This is the pledge of the Lord of life. As long as he lives, you will live, and he lives forever, beyond the power of death. His resurrection means our resurrection. In fact, Jesus has wrestled the power of death into his service. Uh, he says, uh, when John has a vision of him in Revelation chapter 1, the risen Lord says, Fear not, I am the first and the last and the living one. I died, and behold, I'm alive forevermore. And I have the keys of death and Hades. So death no longer has the final word. Jesus is the first word and the last word. He defines all our reality. Death now doesn't have the final word. Death, now it only serves the one who is the resurrection and the life. Now it's just the prerequisite for resurrection. Jesus has not yet eradicated death entirely, but he has made it to serve his love for his people. Death serves his love for his people. Now for those who belong to Christ, even bodily death doesn't mean the end. It doesn't mean the end of our relationship with God. It ushers us into eternal life in the presence of the living God. It doesn't even mean the final end of our bodies because Jesus has promised to raise us from the dust in a resurrection like his. That transforms the way we conceive of our own deaths. And it transforms the way we grieve the deaths of our loved ones in Christ. Yes, death has been an end to our relationships in this world. We may not see our loved ones. We may not hear them laugh or gain their wisdom or share a meal with them or hold their hand or feel the comfort of their embrace again in this world. But there is a day coming, the day of resurrection in the new heavens and the new earth, when we become like our brother, the risen Lord Jesus, in every way, even with bodies like his, that will never die. So as Cindy read from our Old Testament reading, Psalm 30 says, Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes with the morning. In that resurrection morning, we will see and we will laugh with those we had lost. We will embrace them and sing and dance for joy in God's presence together, never to be parted again. Resurrection means we're no longer dead to God. Resurrection means we're alive to God. We can live in relationship with God rather than apart from him. We can live in that relationship at all times through prayer. Resurrection means our relationships in Christ with God and with each other will never end. They will never end in Christ. All because God would not stand to let death rule over us. All because he came to do something about it, to be with us forever. Because Jesus was crucified, dead, and buried, and on the third day rose again. Because the risen Lord Jesus calls us brothers. What God has done as a human, what God has done for us, because he loves us, is good news. So encourage one another with these words. Amen. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father, you've said that there is a power at work in us through 
your spirit. The same power by which you raised your son Jesus from the dead, a resurrection power that raises all your children from the dead. This is unimaginably, inconceivably good news to us. We pray that you'd help us to believe it. Crack open our hearts by the same spirit that cracked open your son's tomb. Help us to begin to understand the magnitude of the significance of the resurrection of your son who has called himself our brother. Lord Jesus, help us to believe that you are not ashamed of our relationship even, though by associating yourself with sinners you suffered, you were mocked, you were tormented and crucified. Help us to believe you're still not ashamed to call us brothers. Lord of life, knowing you means knowing resurrection. We want to know you. We pray that you would bless us with the knowledge of your love. Bring forth new life in us and make us know the joy of living with you always. We pray in your name. Amen.